It is Locked on Jazz for the 18th of November. Rudy Gay returns for the Utah Jazz. Who is he as a player and what does it mean for the Jazz? The Raptors might be the worst single matchup in the entire NBA for the Utah Jazz. I'll explain why and what a challenge tonight is. Aging and lack of possessions leads to inconsistency. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. We are free and available on all platforms. You can subscribe on YouTube right at that button right there. Also hit the bell, and that will let you be notified every time we get a show, and the numbers off the bell are great, so thank you very much for that. And you can follow us on all podcast platforms, and we are free. Thanks very much for making Lockdown Jazz your first listen of every day. Good morning to Jared and Ray and JC and J- Garrett. Garrett twice. Oh, Jared and Garrett. Sorry, Bryce, as always. Nathan, good morning. Uh, thanks. Good morning to the crew. So Rudy Gay returns. The Jazz will be at full strength uh, today with the signing of Rudy Gay in the offseason. This was the great Rudini, the big truck. They call him. I've never heard either of those. Uh, Rudy's 35 years old. He's 6'8", 250 pounds. Now, that's the first thing about him. And who is he and what does he do for the Jazz? So the first thing about Rudy Gay is he's 6'8", 250. He's really big. And he gives the Jazz some length, some size, some defensive versatility. He's also had great defensive success in the last few years in San Antonio in versatile in ways. The most impressive part of his game the last few seasons has been his adaptation to where he is. So if you look at him in San Antonio where, you know, he really expected, I think, to win and they didn't. Three years ago, his assist rate was 15%. Last year, his assist rate was 9%. They didn't need him to give us, they need him to score. Three years ago, his rebounding rate was 24% on the defensive glass. His usage rate was 22%. Last year, his usage rate was 24%, which is high. At his peak of his career, it was at 28, 29, 30, but it was still high for a guy coming off the bench. He really found a way to change who he was as a player and adapt as a player, depending on where the Spurs were. He's gone from taking 25% of his shots as threes to 44% of his shots as threes over the last three years. He was in San Antonio for four years after being in Sacramento for four years after being in Memphis for seven years. He had a brief stint with Toronto as well. There are some aspects where I do think we have to understand who Rudy Gay is at this point. 
Rudy Gay at his peak was a six foot eight, probably 220 pound, maybe 230 pound wing scorer from 2007 to 2014. He averaged virtually 20 points a game in the NBA. Bonafide, big time NBA scorer. That's those. That's pretty elite level stuff. He was often criticized during that period of time for empty numbers that didn't actually help his team win. Okay, I don't know if that's true when you look at those franchises and who they were at the time, because I'm not sure that you know that they were that good. But that was often the element. And as he's evolved, his the image of him has certainly changed a great deal. Now he's thought of as a versatile player who adapts to how the team wants him to play, all of those type of things. Now he's not a 20-point-a-game scorer anymore, but he does still have the capability to go get you a bucket. And that's what's, you know, special about, what in, in particular, teams are switching one through five, at 6'8", he can go get a smaller guy. Maybe it's Fred Van Vliet tonight, who's pretty powerful, and go take advantage of him. If you look at some of his numbers and what he does, it's interesting to see where there have not been massive declines and where they have. So as we often talk about with aging players, his rim shots have gone to almost nil, from 26% to 19% to 17% to 12%. We're seeing the same thing with Mike Conley and Joe Ingles. As you get older in the league, you just don't get to the rim the way you once did. His rim finishing last year was a career low 61%. I think he might have been lower like his third year in the league. So he's added a little bit of a mid-range game, not particularly efficient, and he's added a three-point game at a much higher level. His game has gone from having, over the years, having about 28% of his 30% of his shots assisted to 45% of his shots assisted the last two point shots assisted the last two years because he, you know, a little bit more help along the way uh, for him. So he is certainly not the dynamic insane athlete, 20 point a game scorer that he was from 23 to 29. This is a 35 year old version of Rudy Gay. He's a little bigger. He plays with a, with a different, a little bit more on the perimeter. His rebounding rate impressively as a defensive rebounder now playing closer to the rim has been better the last three years than any three years of his career. Last year was down a little bit. The two prior years were his actual best rebounding rates of his entire career. So he's moved from six foot eight, 220 pound elite scoring athlete to 6'8", 250 pound, plays a little closer to the basket on defense, playing four and fives, and on offense, spreading the floor and not attacking the tin with the same uh, veracity that he once did. So that's where he's different. If you look at his position change, it's pretty fascinating. For the majority of his career, basketball reference had him as a small forward. So 90% of his minutes as a small forward in Memphis, about 90% in Sacramento. He actually slid for a little while in Sacramento to playing more shooting guard. And occasionally teams would stretch the floor, slide him to a five, about 15 or 20% of his minutes. In the last 
three years in San Antonio, he has moved almost, the last two years, he's moved almost exclusively to power forward with about 10% of his minutes being that as a center. So there it is. There's the evolution of Rudy Gay. So we're getting that version of Rudy Gay. And we also have to understand he's 35 years old. He has not played a great deal recently. And I'm not sure you can expect him to be the elite, you know, I don't think he's going to come in and transform games. He's a complimentary piece um, at this point in his career. And I think he's a complimentary piece who hasn't played coming off a foot injury. And while he did just get back on the court, uh, a, you know, and the Jazz staff's done a nice job with him, it is definitely a, a look um, that's different. You know, he hasn't played a great deal. All right. Um, so that's the Rudy Gay breakdown. Toronto, as I was prepping last night, really is about as brutal a matchup for the Utah Jazz as can be. I find this next stuff fascinating. You might have to ride with me a little bit on it. Uh, but it should make your viewing of tonight's game better, which is a large part of our goal. So hopefully we can do that for you. I think you'll uh, you'll hear some some geeky kind of stuff and breakdown stuff that you're probably familiar with, uh, but also that will will hopefully be um, super interesting to you in how it it plays out tonight. And then I want to talk a little bit about um, I want to talk about aging, Joe Ingles, uh, and possessions. Today's show is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been. More than just a place to get tasty, affordable food, it's the unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there and always being uh, for always being there. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Uh, let's see the latest on BetOnline.ag. Oh, I was going to open the show talking about Giannis, Steph, and um, Durant and uh, Giannis, Durant, Steph, and Jokic. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, tonight, the line on tonight's game at betonline.ag has the Utah Jazz as a nine and a half point favorite over Toronto. Boy, they still love us. Denver's a seven and a half point favorite over Philadelphia. Clippers and Memphis are one point with the Clippers as the favorite. Minnesota, two and a half point favorite over San Antonio coming off of Minnesota. Last night, got a nice win over Sacramento. Tristan Thompson, I would play it on our show, but there was a level of profanity. But if you have not heard Tristan Thompson last night, it was amazing. Uh, go to betonline.ag. You get a 50% welcome bonus on all of your action. Uh, it's our preferred place to do your gam- your your gaming and your betting. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, have some fun with it. Be smart with it. Uh, the current lines in the West of the NBA is the Brooklyn Nets at 275, the Warriors at plus 575, the Lakers at plus 700, and the Jazz at plus 800. In the West, it's the Warriors plus 285, the Lakers plus 350, and the Jazz plus 375. And finally, someone paying attention to the Suns, who've only played four teams above 500, but they got a nice win last night without Luka Doncic in Dallas, so I'm still not sure who they've played, but they're good. Plus 650 over there. All right, that is all at betonline.ag, promo code locked on. So, special hello to JC and to Matthew and to Isaac. And to Jace and to Jared, a bunch of big crew uh, stopping by today. Appreciate everyone uh, jumping on the show live. We do, do it on YouTube as well in the chat room. This morning is just a bunch of very friendly people saying hi, but often a very verbose conversation. 
All right. I think the Toronto Raptors are seriously the most brutal matchup for the Utah Jazz. Let me see if I can walk you through this and see him. And Rudy Gay might become super important tonight, actually, in um, some ways. Let me see if I can walk this, th- walk us through this and see if it makes sense. And then the Jazz will win by 20, and you can all laugh at me. So the first thing is Toronto doesn't have a center. So they're going to start, their starting lineup today will be Fred Van Vliet at 6'1", 200. It's a powerhouse. Scott Barnes, their rookie, at 6'9", 230. OG Ananobi at 6'7", 230. Pascal Siakam at 6'9", 230. And if Precious Achua is available, he'll play at 6'8", 230. Now, in their last game, they played all five of their starters at least 40 minutes, and Gary Trent was the fourth starter, and he's 6'5", 210. So they're starting Fred Van Vliet, 6'1", 200. So he's got about 40 pounds on Mike Conley. Gary Trent, 6'5", 210. OG Ananobi, whose brother was a linebacker in the NFL, and he looks like one, at 6'7", 232. 6'7", 232. Scotty Barnes, their rookie, at 6'9", 227. And Pascal Siakam is their center at 6'9", 230. So let's break it down. First, they just play incredibly fast. If we have a weakness, it's transition defense. And uh, they... They play the fewest half-court transition or half-court possessions of any team in the NBA. They just get into you, turn you over, and fly. Great. We have a propensity for turnovers. We have a propensity for poor transition defense. And where we're dominant is when we can get you in the half-court and they don't get to the half-court. They're in the half-court. Let me see my notes. They're in the half-court. I think some absurd number... They're only in the half court. 75% of their possessions league average is 80. Okay, so let's walk through it. Jazz offense. What do we do great? We play pick and roll. In fact, of any pick and roll combination that's had 100 opportunities this year, the number one in the NBA is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They're they're insane. The best of anyone is of the top, I think of the top uh, 100 pick and roll combinations this year. The number one of the top 100 pick-and-roll combinations is Chris Paul and Frank Kaminsky. Chris Paul and any popping big is deadly. Frank Kaminsky, then number two is Steph and Draymond. And number three is Donovan and Rudy Gobert. If you're interested, Trey Young and John Collins are four. And Seth Curry and Joel Embiid are five. James Harden, LaMarcus Aldridge, six. Seth Curry and Andre Drummond are seven. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley is eight, which is pretty awesome. Will Barton, Nikola Jokic is nine. And Tyrese Maxey and Andre Drummond is 10. So Donovan and Rudy are the number one pick and roll combination in the NBA of teams that have played actually 100 of combinations that have actually had 100 pick and rolls. Chris Paul and Frank Kaminsky will be. They, they need about five more. Okay, well, when you're 6'9", 220 across the board, they'll switch everything. So then Siakam's going to switch over to Donovan. Donovan's had an interesting history with Siakam. Two years ago, Donovan went 0-4 when guarded by Siakam, and last year he had a pretty good success with him, so it'll be interesting to see. They also will switch, and then they'll overshift and really suffocate the ball, and we're small. 
which then leads to turnovers, which then leads to them running, which leads to them getting out and going. What they're going to do is give up a lot of threes, so we're going to have to be really cognizant of skip passes over the top, but not skip passes over the top that hang in the air at all because they're so insanely athletic with Ananobi and Siakam and uh, Precious Asha was on the injured list. I don't know if he's going to be able to go, and OG Ananobi's frankly on the injured list too. Um, so that, from an offensive standpoint, we want to... We want to play fast, which we should be able to do. That's going to be the key to the whole game. They're not a particularly good transition team. Um, they are 27th in the league in transition defense, so we'll have to get out. We had eight transition threes against the Sixers the other night. We're going to have to do the same thing against them where we they we get them in the half court. They miss. We get out and push. They're not particularly big. You can drive and kick, paint attack, kick it out. But if we get caught in the half court, they're going to switch it. They're so big, so long. So athletic, not big, but long, athletic. Our passes are going to have to hang in the air for a while. Hopefully we get them. And we're going to have to keep moving it because if you let them set and shift, it's going to be really tough. So that's, you know, that plays to our weaknesses. Number two, what do we do defensively? Defensively, we play the pick and roll. We're, we're, the, we're the best there is on the pick and roll. Uh, it's actually, like, not close. And... When you look at guys who, um, and they are a terrible pick and roll team. If we can get Fred Van Vliet late in shot clocks, trying to run pick and roll tonight, it'll be a great moment for us because that's where we're at our absolute peak. Um, if you run the numbers again on groups that have seen, you know, now that's a, this is a little different uh, number, but if you look at the, defenders that have seen about a hundred pick and rolls this year, the number one pick and roll combination in the league. And actually a hundred is too much. So it's, it's probably about top. Uh, let me see if I can find it for you on the search top 50 pick and roll combinations. You know, you start to get Royce O'Neal and Rudy Gobert is the seventh best in the NBA. That that's where you begin. Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert is the 18th best in the NBA. Our guys float into there. Donovan and, Rudy were in there earlier. I don't see them near the top. Maybe they haven't been put enough. Marcus Smart, Robert Johnson, Robert Williams are the best. Um, Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid is the best. Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, George Hill, Giannis Adekumbo, Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, actually. Uh, somehow Lonzo Ball, Nicholas Vukovic, which is a tribute to Lonzo Ball because Nikola Vucevic did not just become a good defensive player. Uh, needless to say, we what do we do best? We put you in the pick and roll. What do we do worst? The two things we do worst in the NBA is in half court is guard for us is guard handoffs and isolation. So why are we not good at handoffs, but we're good at pick and roll? Let me see if I can do the best I can here. A handoff, when teams come around on a handoff, the big has the ball, or in this case, they're whoever, they're sprinting at the ball. We're probably chasing because we want to run you off a three-point line. They take the handoff turn the corner. Rudy's now got to make an immediate step out to them. And if their guy rolls, they're already below our guard. And it gets very difficult for Rudy to guard both those guys. So defensively in the NBA right now on handoffs, we rank 19th, which is not terrible, but for us, that's not great, right? We, we defend everything else at an elite, elite level. They run the most handoffs of anyone in the entire league. It's not actually close. They have run nearly a hundred more handoffs than every other team in the league. 
So that's a real challenge for us tonight. And they're coming with speed. Now we can decide just to switch all of them, which I probably is the only answer when, when they're that interchangeable. But now when you, again, handoff, gets the handoff, you switch it, Rudy switches, the guard is on the wrong side of the switch and they roll. Now they're rolling to the basket. And, and then the other one is that Donovan and Mike are small. So if Ananobi's got it and hands it to Siakam, now all of a sudden, you know, somebody or hands it to Van Vliet and Van Vliet comes off the handoff. Now suddenly OG Ananobi or Siakam gives the handoff. Now Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell's guarding a 6'9", 230-pound guy. That's not great. That's not great. The second one is isolation. We know that problem, right? So they're going to stretch Siakam out. Rudy's going to guard Siakam. He's not a great three-point shooter. Rudy's going to sag off him and dare him to shoot. And they're going to just go head down, ISO one-on-one on our guys. And they're going to have to guard their yard. And as we know, that is not one of our greatest strengths out there. They run the eighth most amount of isolation of anybody in the league. Ananobi runs the 12th most isolation of any player in the league. That's how they have discovered to burst him into a bona fide scorer in the league is he just goes to work. So Royce O'Neal probably gets that matchup and has to deal with him developing. Just to put it in perspective, it feels like Donovan goes ISO a lot. Ananobi's run almost two times more isolation than Dom. Of the play of the top 50 guys in the league running isolation, the nice thing is he's not great at it. And this is where Scotty Barnes runs, is in this group. Ananobi of the top 50 guys is 32nd. Barnes is 33rd in efficiency. Donovan's actually 42nd, by the way, out of 50. LaMelo Ball is the least good isolation player in the league. Tyler Hero, Anthony Davis, then Fred Van Vliet. Then, actually, interesting. Jason Tatum, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Jeremy Grant, and De'Aaron Fox are the bottom 10 ISO guys of front 50. Number one in the league is Steph Curry. Then Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic, James Harden, CJ McCollum, DeMar DeRozan. A lot of info for you today. So that's what they're going to do. And then what are the matchups? So Rudy's on Siakam. Royce is on OG. Boyan, I guess, is on Scotty Barnes, which leaves... Donovan on Gary Trent, maybe, and then Mike Conley on Fred Van Vliet, 200 pounds. Woo! Now, they've lost four of five. They really struggle in the half court. Let's see if we can find a way. It's a great challenge. It's a great challenge because it is just a tough matchup. J.C. Ernst asked a really interesting question in the chat. Is pick and roll dying? I could be wrong, but it seems like a lot less, or is it strictly a game plan against the Jazz? I think, J.C., it's strictly a game plan against the Jazz, but not to worry you that you and I are thinking the same um, or that I don't sleep very well or that I think of these things at random times. In the middle of the night last night, I was trying to figure out probably 2.30 in the morning how I could discover whether the average amount of pick and rolls in the league were down and what the best way to look at it was. So the thought has crossed my mind um, and I'll try to look at it uh, a little bit. Kyler Church asks an incredible question I'll try to get to here in a second. I don't understand what makes a good perimeter defender. One would think a Zach Levine body type would be incredible. Incredible. Does it just come down to focus and effort to make good perimeter defense? Kyler, I will try to answer that uh, when we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6.com. 
Uh, I loved it yesterday. Matt Lund from Crown Trophy, who's been a longtime tro- uh, supporter of Locked On and uh, does all of our gear, called me up. Hey, I need something. I was like, yeah, what's up, man? I'm on a call, but what do you need? He's like, oh, I just need the Grip6 promo code. I was like, Locked On should work for you. Uh, they have got the new Titanium Series Strongest Thinnest Buckle yet. It is really cool. Um, they they have a classic. They also have the men's contour belt with some coloring to it. They have this whole little uh, loop of different fun colors to it. You'll see uh, for the straps. They also have the hex belt uh, there. All of the titanium, uh, really cool natural belts, a new series they have out there. Uh, great deals going on on the wool socks, 40% off for you. Uh, they also have uh, the new wallet has now come out with kind of a cool leather looking one that's really sweet. Um, I, I don't use that as a wallet, but I might have to. That's sweet looking. Uh, new with the leather and the loop. Uh, available for you. Grip6.com, free shipping over $50, promo code locked on. I'm going to have to try to run down by the studio. Quentin was nice enough to invite me uh, the other day. I th- you've probably heard me before. So my personal belt series that I uh, like the best are um, the, there's the classic, which is great. I am a fan of the honeycomb uh, belt, which is in their premium. I My nice belt that I wear a lot is their carbon fiber, which is also um and then uh, I have the Craftsman Wood and I have the Classics, uh, the Blue Classic to go with my black belt. Those are all at Grip6.com. All right, let's get to the question from uh, uh, Kyle Church before I bring Kyler Church before I bring up something that the great Tom Nasalki used to always say to me. Um, I don't understand what makes a good perimeter defender. One would think Zach Levine's body type would be incredible. So, yes. So Zach Levine's lack of defense, I think, has always been effort. Um, You know, it is true. Two things are true. One, you get paid for offense, unless you're Rudy. And two is playing offense takes a lot of juice and energy. And so guys have a tendency to spend their time there and try to sneak through the defensive end. And Zach Levine's been burned on that time and time again. There is also, so there's length. And then there's also lateral quickness. Like Pascal Siakam to me is one of the better defenders in the league. If you, the key to me on some of these things defensively is both lateral quickness, which is so different than the other NBA, some of the other stuff that NBA players do and multiple actions. So Rudy's genius is his multiple actions, his ability to, go after a shot, turn the other way, do all of those kind of things. The uh, From a perimeter wing defender, it's obviously understanding angles, understanding personnel, watching, but it's multiple actions. You get hit by a pick, can you come off it and get back into it? Royce's effort to stay in a play defensively is, is elite level. Um, so I think that's something that you that you have to watch in these guys. So it is certainly effort and focus and fatigue. And then I think it's, Lateral quickness, which is a little different than like the pure explosion to go win a slam dunk contest in the case of Zach Levine. I think he has it, but I, I love Zach Levine. I mean, if I if I was a general manager of an NBA team, I would have been trading way too much stuff to get Zach Levine over the last few years and either been right or wrong. I'm not sure. Um, so I think that you uh, I, I think that when you when you look at that, you have to understand that, that there's just kind of a different athleticism to what it is. There's just such a difference between basketball athleticism and regular athleticism 
you know, I, you scout players and you watch them and you'll say, oh my gosh, he's a great athlete. And then I always ask myself the next question, um, which is, are they basketball athletes? Uh, here's a question in from Eric. Please, Jazz fans, answer this. Why doesn't Quinn Snyder develop players like Butler, Forrest, and get enough playing time? And why don't you think early season is perfect to maximize as low as manage? So it's a good question. I know a lot of Jazz fans want. First of all, we're not really in the development stage. So Phoenix drafted Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Nice player. With the 10th pick of the draft two years ago. I, I think he's got a chance to be an NBA player. And they released him. They didn't pick up his option because they're not in a developmental stage. There just weren't minutes and time for that for them to be developing that that player. They're in a chance for winning a championship. Last night, I, I texted somebody in the league and said, "Why is so? Why is this such such team not winning?" And their answer simply back to me is, "You can't win with rookies playing thirty five minutes." So you you can try to develop. Jared Butler and, and Trent Forrest, but you're going to do it the way we did with last night with Jared Butler. You're going to do it by having him play in a G League game, get 30 minutes, get his confidence back, get him going. We are doing the load management with Trent Forrest right now where he's playing you know these two to four to six minute stints to let Mike Conley get down to 28, 29 minutes. But we're still in the business of winning games and this team's in the business of trying to win a championship. That's not an environment in which players are often developed. So there's not going to be a sacrifice of... And other guys, and the other one is like, you go take Donovan and Mike Conley's minutes so Jared Butler can play 20 minutes a night, you're gonna lose the entire locker room. And we Jared Butler's gotta prove he's good enough too. Like there's a like I don't know that yet. Like I think he's neat. I think he's like he's got a lot of shiftiness and skills, and he's got, I think, a chance. Um, but he's got to develop it. So um, and actually Kevin Pelton has talked about it a lot. You know, I've talked about it a lot as the Oreo cookie. Kevin wrote a whole thing about it the other day that you know, minutes early is not actually an indicator of whether or not a player develops. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm actually a little, I, I, I 100% understand the Jared Butler love everyone has. It's a draft pick. It's our new flavor of the month. It makes us, the logic on it's really, I have a hard time understanding. Um, so we're not in a, we're not in a player development mode. That, we, we, we did that for a little while. We're not in that anymore. Uh, I don't have a lot of time on this today, so maybe I'll have to do it tomorrow. Just a quick note for you on, on, uh, on players that I think is really interesting. Thomas Salk used to point out to me. When you're 22 and you enter the league, you have 80 nights worth of legs. And then by 25, you have like 78. And, that, and then 28, you probably have 76. Like it's not. And then you get to 30 and suddenly you only got like 60 nights worth of your legs. And you get to like 32 and suddenly you only have 50 nights worth of your legs. And then eventually you don't have your legs. And what he used to say about like I remember the conversation was very specifically about Gary Payton and some others like elite level scorers. And I bet you Rudy Gate and Vince Carter and some of these guys could talk about this, that when you suddenly drop to the level of like 60 and they're, well, they're still averaging 20 points a game, but they're, what they're actually doing at that point is averaging 28 one night and 12 the other. And you combine them and you get your 40, you get your 20 points a game. In the old days, what they used to be able to do is score 22 one night and 18 the other, because every night they were able to put it out there. So, why is that re- this relevant to the Jazz? We don't have enough possessions to go around on our team. We have too many scores. It's fine. It's too much talent, too many guys. So people have to take a reduction of possessions. So I think what we have a little bit going on is when guys don't have their legs, like Joe's not quite right right now. Well, I'm not going to go force up nine shots 
And so we have particularly quiet nights. I think Mike, you know, the other night clearly went out and had eight dimes and only took six shots. So as we have a bunch of 30-year-old players, Boyan, Mike, Joe, Rudy Gay, and everyone's used to using a lot of possessions, and they're going to have nights where they don't feel the ball and they don't feel the game. And if they're not quite in, their body's not quite right, they're not going to get the opportunity to get right because they're not getting the 10, 11, 12 shots because we don't have enough to go around. And so therefore, they end up having these kind of stinker nights. Joe's in a little bit of a, a slump, but if you actually look at Joe's first five or six games of the year, he was pretty good. So it's not as though like Joe's body is completely done, I don't think. I, I just think it's one of these cases where as Boyan tries to assert himself and get back to 15 shots a game, well, then that, those shots have to come from somewhere. And if Joe's not quite right, then he's not getting them. And as Jordan's trying to reassert himself and he's taking his 18 a game, you know, it's not he's not quite sure where the, you know, those shots, again, like Joe's not getting those. And, and so Mike took the back seat for a few days. Then Mike reasserts himself. Now Rudy Gay is going to want some touches. We're going to have this. I think we're going to have guys that are kind of in and out of their rhythm for an ex- for periods of time. And I do think because we don't have enough possessions, it's going to last three or four games at a time. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Super appreciate you making us our first listen of the day. For your second listen, go tune into your boy Q and Lee Sterling on Locked on Bets. Fabulous show giving you the gambling rundown of what's going on. It's all locked on bets for your second listen. Have a great day. See you.